0: here and we all know it. hi everybody i'm peter jacobson and welcome to jake's takes
1: yeah, 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 yeah. here we are just before the the hero world challenge down at the bahamas tiger woods tournament and and paul it's it's great to have you with us you and i've been friends for a long time we go back all the way to when you played on the PGA tour. <laughs> in fact, I remember so well. I remember so well the dinner you and I had at Outback. If you remember, when we were staying in the same hotel in White yeah. Plains, New York,
2: do you remember that? I do remember it. It's it's amazing to me uh, your memory. Um, I'm getting to the stage I forget some things. I remember the first time I, I met you was in Sony in 1997. I had my mom and dad and my caddy and. Uh, you know, everybody was all jacked up and nervous, and I went up and introduced myself, and you had remembered my cousin, Joey, when he had played on tour for a year, and uh, and then we ended up uh, striking up a friendship, you and I, and uh, had out back up at White Plains. I remember it uh, like it was yesterday, so just well, uh, some great days. I missed some of those fun days, but uh, but here we are in the Bahamas this week to uh, to tackle another tournament.
1: Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, because I remember watching and pulling so hard for you last year, 2018, I was... Working the broadcast for NBC at the Players, and uh, just to let everybody know, you now caddy for Webb Simpson. In fact, you've been with Webb, I think eight, maybe nine years now.
2: It's right in between eight, eight, eight and a half years, crazy.
1: Eight and a half years, and you won the 2012 US Open Olympic with Weber, and then last year, uh, just putted so beautifully and managed yourself around a very difficult sawgrass golf course, win the Players, and. And that uh, I know the U.S. Open is fabulous, and the players is fabulous. How do you compare or differentiate between those two wins?
2: Yeah, you know, obviously both very special in their own right, but very, very different. Um, you know, for me uh, personally, taking Webb out of that side of the equation, for me, caddying for Webb and both of them, Um, the players for me was a much more special week. Uh, Number one, that's home sweet home. My grandfather taught me how to play the game there. I grew up with my dad and grandfather playing weekly. Uh, I remember playing the stadium course before 17 was even grassed. Um, It was still dirt. It had been laid out but not sodded yet. And trying to hit a shot, I, I was nine years old and, the old set used to have a five iron, a seven iron, and a nine iron, and the seven iron was going <laughs> too short, and the five iron was going over the green. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I remember it very vividly, one of my fondest memories. So I grew up with that being our major, um, and you know, Webb had gone through the massive battle with the anchored putting band. Uh, he had battled the Yips, had fallen down to a hundredth in the world, and. You know, for us to come all the way back, and for him to have that week that he had, and uh, to to win that golf tournament around that golf course, uh, and blowing the field away was an incredible moment that we'll never forget. And you know, the U.S. Open was a little different. Uh, we were 14th in the world going into it. Um, he had been playing really good golf for the past year and a half. Um, we had come off two missed cuts, which sometimes you never know what's right around the corner. But he had continued to work on the things that he knew was right and you know going in the last day we joked we were in seventh place we were four shots out of the lead and i think he had given one interview the entire week that was it (laughs) and he goes out uh on saturday shoots a couple under plays great to get in the seventh and then goes out the last day shoots two under par in some brutal conditions and uh we sit back and have to watch jim uh and graham mcdowell finish their rounds out and you know, It was a much different feeling. Uh, that was kind of like, at the, out of the middle of nowhere, they hand you a trophy and say, Webb, you're the U.S. Open champion. And while he had to battle through about 12 holes of some nerves, that was it out of 72. Um, and obviously a very, very special time and very fortunate to be a part of it. But at the Players, we were wire-to-wire leaders with big leads. and you just take a lot more of that on you from day to day. All the focus is on you. The energy is on you. You know the the records that they talk about with a seven-shot lead with one to play, and nobody's ever lost that lead. And, you know, the stadium golf course, it's one of my favorite courses in the world, always has been. because It's a golf course that if you want to go get it and try to attack it and you have a great driving day, you can really go deep there. There's been a lot of 63s around that golf course. However that same exact momentum and that same exact attitude can turn it into a 75 in a hurry, too, with one yeah, or two easy,
1: easily, very easy, yeah. Yes,
2: I, I could I could think of, you know, probably every other course on the PGA Tour that I'd rather protect that lead than that one. And the guys that were chasing us, it was Tiger, it was Jason Day, it was Jason Duffner, um, those were the guys chasing. of course, you know, second doesn't mean anything to them. They're coming out there for one reason, and that is to shoot as low as they can and put pressure on us. And, and, you yeah, know, we felt a little bit of that. But, again, to get that job done, that one will always hold a little higher, uh, you know, a higher mark in my book from what he came back from and obviously being home sweet home for me.
1: Well, b- being a big fan of you, and obviously now through you, I'm I'm a huge fan of Webb Simpson, too. I think he, I think he's one of the classiest guys we have on tour. Now, he doesn't get a lot of attention because he's not controversial. He's not doing crazy <laughs> things. He's not John Daly. He's not Tiger Woods. He's not. He's not the kind of guy that, that is going to scream headlines. But let me tell you something. If you want to go to the bank with a guy that you can depend on the rest of your life, it's Webb Simpson. And I know you agree with that. But when I look back at the days when I played the tour and, and my first year playing at Sawgrass, I, I remember the golf course being so difficult. And you were you were just a baby back then. We had played across the street at the Sawgrass Country Club. And then Dean Beeman built the, uh, the stadium course. And we came across... And if you remember, there were snakes everywhere. They they tried to clean the snakes out of there, but the golf course was so difficult. If you missed the fairway, you were in just garbage. And I, I think about how, how the tour has done such a wonderful job to make that golf course difficult. Yes. As you pointed out, but you can go low. It's a precision golf course. If you put it in play and you hit and you knock some flags down, you can make some birdies, but but overall, I think that is our major, speaking as a PGA Tour player. It is our major, and I can imagine, other than a, ma- uh, a one of the four majors, a better tournament to win.
2: I, I agree with you. I love that you brought up, you know, the, the course went through a couple of uh, transformations as it went around the block. You know, when it first started off, you're right, it was so extremely brutal. Um, you would miss fairways, and you would be in those moguls with the ball two feet above your feet, or or an well, upslope or a downslope, you couldn't hold the greens around the greens. It was brutal. And then they, they panicked a little too much, made it a little too gentle. And I think most of us can remember Norman shooting twenty four hundred under and beating Fuzzy by, I think, four and Fuzzy waving the white towel on – on Norman for the second time in his career, um, at the players to, to try to cool him off. And then it kind of came back, um, to where it should be. And, and most of us agree that we like to see a winning score somewhere around 14 under par. And, you know, people have asked me why that's like a magic number. And I just believe obviously we're playing against the best players in the world. Um, the players every year has either all of the top hundred in the world or at least ninety nine I know the the year we won in two thousand and eighteen last year it was ninety nine of the top hundred in the world It's the hardest tournament to win against the hardest field but the best player that week of the best player in the field, I think should average about four under par a day, 16 under par. And I think there's a little misconception that 16 under par is a winning score. It means it's too easy, but I think we can all attest that, you know, back home at your home club, if, if you're a good player, if you're a scratch player, you can shoot four under par when you get it going well. well. if you're talking about the best players in the world and that week, the best player four hundred under par a day, I don't think it's too unreasonable to look at. And I think that's where we have the tournament. Now, I, I don't I'm not as excited about the players in March as I was uh in May. You know, May we had that Bermuda running, the course played really firm and fast, the ball wouldn't stop, it narrowed the fairways up. You had to think a lot more. I know a whole like number two um last year we hit five wood three iron on the green, but five wood off the tee to hook it around the corner. Well last year in March we could barely get home with a driver and a three wood. So um, it just plays very different. The course plays wider and softer in March. Um, the conditions can be really cold, and you might get lucky one year and get them warm. But um, either way, it's just it's one of those golf courses that requires so much out of you. And I don't care if you're Tiger Woods or if you're a rookie on tour. Everyone gets a little anxious coming around that 16, 17, and 18. And um, I don't think anybody's hands are all that calm staying on that 18th tee box.
1: <laughs> well, one of the <laughs> things I love about you is you have such a unique perspective. Uh, heading for Webb Simpson because you did play the PGA tour. You got your card in the mid 90s. You played a few years. And, and one of the things that happens to all tour players, it's happened to me, it's happened to you, it's happened to Tiger, it's happened to everybody injury. And, and you yeah. made the comment that, that when you got injured and you struggled, you lost confidence. And I think that's yeah. the biggest challenge for any player not only playing on the tour or 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 be, you know in it's your country club at home when you get hurt and you try to play through the injury you don't play as well and you lose your confidence and that's probably the biggest battle any player goes through
2: I agree um I think you know we can even go back and we know that Tiger has come back from a lot of injuries but the the biggest the most painful, the hardest recovery from him was obviously the back surgeries, which I think he ended up having three of. But both times he tried to come back um, a little too early off the first two, and and we saw he got a case of the chipping yips. There's nothing else you can call it. This man has the greatest pair of hands possibly that we've ever seen in the game, and he went from having the best short game on tour, probably with Phil uh, right beside him, to he could not chip it on the green. Um, And that is a result of confidence from missing a lot of time, from flinching on occasion, from pain. Um and now, you know, to see him come back and beat that and be a world class chipper again has been tremendous. But we see it in a lot of different guys. We saw it in, you know, Brendan Todd, who has had this incredible run here late, but he got hurt. He had some injury and then his golf game left him a little bit and he was gone. He was outside the top two thousand in the world. In fact he wasn't ranked. Um and he won two straight tournaments this yeah, back, fall. Back was with leading yeah and leading the third by two going in the last round so um you know we see you can come back from them but a lot of times it takes a while and you know i know peter you've had uh what you've had the hip your, both hips replaced is that right
1: i've had uh, my left hip replaced and my right knee replaced yeah i've yeah. had my share
2: and, then, and so i'm sure yes you could tell me just as easy as anything it's hard to come back from that it's hard to trust your body again and you remember if, that you, you can let yep. it go
1: yeah, that's the tough thing is when, and I, it's thing, I'm going to be going down to do the Father-Son for NBC here, uh, this next week. We're obviously taping this, uh, during the Hero World Challenge week, but I'll see John Daly down in Orlando playing with his son at the Father-Son, and he just had his right knee replaced. It was a partial knee replacement, and I've been texting John talking about the trust factor. You really have to trust your doctor do your rehab and then just let it go. But there's that nagging thought in the back of your head, and you know this as well as anybody. It can be physical or it can be mental. There's just the question: Do I have it? Can I do this? Can I continue to play at the level that I that I know how to play? And and that's the, that's the difficult part of uh, of coming back from anything.
2: I I agree with you, and I think golf is is probably the hardest sport along with tennis to to do it from because it's just you all you have are your skills all you have are those 14 clubs in your bag your caddy beside you and the course in front of you and no one while they might love you and they might have empathy that you went through pain they want to beat you and they want to beat you (laughs) no that's right (laughs) they
1: say Trevino told me one time Trevino said to me "When anybody that complains about their body or their game or their chipping or putting Trevino said one time I overheard him in the locker room he said hey Hey, 90% of the guys don't care that you hit it out of bounds on the last hole, and the other 10% wish you'd hit two balls. Out of bounds. quit
2: your <laughs> complaining. I've never heard that line before, but I'm gonna remember that for sure. And it's true. <laughs> especially if you get at this kind of level, the elite level that you've been at that Webb is at and uh and that I'm I'm in the middle of each week uh and get to a front row seat to. You're right. You have to have that competitive desire to truly just beat everyone. Um and, and that's that's part of it. That's what makes you guys elite at your sport um and allows you to become the players that you, you have been and are.
0: What? You know, I've been a pretty good ball striker my whole career, and I think one of the strengths of my game has been my driving. I've been pretty good off the tee. I hit a lot of fairways, but I always know that my first drive of the day is going to be a good one in comfort, luxury, and in style because I'm going to and from the golf course in my Lexus GX460. I've been a brand ambassador of Lexus now for over 30 years, and in my opinion, it's the best vehicle on the road today. Now, I may have had a few body parts replaced over the years, but that's just in my 65-year-old body. My Lexus needs nothing but routine maintenance, and that's just the way I like it. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. They're outing loud, and not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here,
1: and we all know it. Well, there have been some great player caddies over the years I go back to when I started it was Jack Nicholas and Angelo Lee Trevino Herman Mitchell Tom Kite with Mike Carrick and I wouldn't throw myself in there Fluff and I were together for 20 years and now Fluff has been with Furick for something like 20 years and Phil and Bones and Tiger and Steve Williams but I think I don't think there's been a relationship between a player and a caddy like you have with Webb. Mm -hmm. Uh, And obviously I don't hear every conversation you have, but I know you guys have a a strong bond through your Christian faith and your love of your family. So I I just think that you guys are well on your way to more wins, more majors, and just bigger and better things in your lives.
2: Yeah, you know, I really appreciate that, Peter. You know, one of the things I try to tell people, because I always get the question, it was Web as nice as he seems. You know, he can't really be. You know, that kind can he? I, I try to tell everyone that he's kinder. He is, and he he is. He's kinder than it looks. He is more humble than he looks. He is the epitome of everything. I, he's thirteen years younger than I am. And you know, when I first went to work for him. He was a struggling uh, he had been on tour for two years. He was two hundred and thirteenth in the world and he was struggling and you know, I was looking to have a long term uh relationship with a guy. It had been about three years with each of my bosses and I'm pretty driven at what I do. I can drive people a little crazy on occasion and so three years seems to be about the right amount. Hopefully my wife's not listening right now so she doesn't think that she's outpicked <laughs> the, the three year um coverage. But I wanted to work for someone who had the same obvious beliefs I did as far as faith, but also was hungry to be good and I've watched Webb grow so much. When I started working for him, like if he was 213 in the world, he had no kids. Um, and now um, he has five kids, eight and under. Um, to watch him endowed and the people he'd become, you know, he's, I want to be the kind of husband he is. I want to be the kind of father he is, the kind of friend he is. He is just one of these people that I wish everyone had a chance to spend time with. He, I look up to him in every single aspect of his life, and that's very, very rare to say if someone's so young. He's 34 now. I know he's not young, but in my world he is, and it's just tremendous to get to walk with him. I, I tell a great story. Um, you know, during the middle of uh, that two-year again putting ban, when he had struggled with anxiety putting and had a little case of the putting yips as well, and during that we had some pretty poor moments. Uh, we had a couple that really stand out, and uh, you know, one of them it was enough where I deserved to be fired. Um, it was just I didn't think he was trying enough different <laughs> enough different uh, ways to putt. You know, he hadn't spent time with Langer and, and Lehman talking about their putting yips that they had beaten, and. You know, I didn't think we had gone to see enough people about, you know, potentially uh, either a putting coach or, you know, mental um, approaches to look at it. And we just, we had a bad moment at Bethpage Black uh, way back in 2000. It had been 16. And I deserved to be fired. I remember we sat in the car afterwards, and I thought he was going to say, Paul, I can't have that. And he looked at me and he goes, man, I'm so sorry. I've let us both down. And as soon as he said that, I remember crying on the spot. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is that the way you think that you've let us both down? Webb, as bad as you're putting right now, you're better than me at everything. You're better than me at every aspect of golf at life. (laughs) Um, And we ended up hugging it out and uh, ended up making the cut on the number. And um, five months later, we were at the Players' Championship in 2017, and Tim Clark gave him an idea about right-hand grip, putting – the claw on it in a different way, and that week in 2017, it was like a light bulb went off, and he's played great the last two and a half years. We've had four seconds in our last ten events, and every time he's played incredible golf uh, in the last group and just had somebody sneak up and beat him. Uh, J.T. Poston shot 61 on the last day at Greensboro to be by one. Um, Tyler Duncan birdied the last two holes, the hardest two holes on the course this past week to get into a playoff. and we lost that one and uh you know Brooks Koepka shot 65 the last day at Memphis to, to Nickus and um uh, Rory shot 61 on us in Canada to beat us during those 10 minutes, and there's not much you can do but he's doing everything right and I think yeah. that he's going to break through and have a you know a hot stretch and win a few uh in 2020 I really believe that well I
1: know that he feels the same about you I've talked to him about you because he knows that uh, you and I've been friends for a long time I'm I'm old enough to be your, your well, maybe old enough to be your dad,
0: but, but certainly your <laughs> We're uncle. We're
2: not going that far. But, uh, yeah, that's true. It's a jungle in
0: here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in People ask me all the time now, when I play in an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Strixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball, And they put it in my locker. It was to hand out to my amateur partners in the pro-am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play, I could see their ball. And I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball. And believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the pro-ams and eventually I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do, how it affects your game, and I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star yellow ball, I can curve it left or right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me for the rest of my career. You've been here
1: I know you've got a big week this week in the Bahamas, and give me a couple thoughts about the President's Cup upcoming next week. I will not down there with you. Unfortunately, I wish I was going to be there, but Tiger playing as uh, as a playing captain, there'll be no Brooks Kepka on your team, and there'll be no Jason Day on the international team. So what are your thoughts heading into the President's
2: Cup? Yeah, so I have a couple of different thoughts. Um, you know, first of all, I think the President's Cup has gotten a little bit of a bad rap, and um, if you look at the last five Presidents Cups, take away 2000 would have been 17 at Liberty National, where the U.S. probably had the best team besides going back in the uh, early 70s that has ever been put together, and and they rolled them. But all the other ones have come down to the last match or two. Ebb has been a part of two of those. Um, where there was only two matches left, and of course him being one of them and Tiger being the other one. So that was good company in both times, Tiger. In Australia in 2011 and at Muirfield in 2013, Tiger was able to get that winning point. And then Bill Haas had to birdie the last hole in Korea uh, for the U.S. to, to win the Cup. Um, and so they've been really tight. And this year there's a big change that a lot of people don't know about. It We're going to play for four less points this year there's gonna be less matches, which obviously the, the thought of that from the international team was that the American depth is one of the reasons why they've only won one time in like eleven events or eleven tries so far. And I really think it's gonna come down to the wire. It's gonna be a battle. And it, you know, it's going to be kinda of, for me it's gonna be historical to have the first playing captain that we've ever had in the President's Cup. And I think the first since Hale Irwin, um, uh, if you include the Ryder Cup as well, and it's not just a playing captain, but it's the playing captain. It's the, in my opinion, the the best player of all time, and he's going to be the one doing it. I think he had a lot of pressure from the other twenty three that he needed to play. And, you know, it's good for TV, it's good for the competition, it's good for the crowds uh, that he's going to be a part of it, and he deserved it. He's the I think fifth ranked player in the world, and. He deserves to be playing, so that part's going to be different. Um, I think my last little aspect of it that's going to be, is for those of you who don't know the golf course, and Royal Melbourne is uh, it's in a class by itself, in, in my opinion. It is a tremendous golf course. It's a course where there are no forced carries. Um, it is right in front of you, but it is tough. You've got to work the ball right to left, left to right. You've got to know your missed spots around the greens and sometimes on the greens. Um, you've got to know your missed spots as well. You know, the fourth hole there, you could hit it 20 feet. And I remember in 2011, Bubba had about a 22-footer for birdie. And as soon as he hit it, he said, good luck, Webb, as he walked 50 yards down the fairway and went and picked the (laughs) ball up. Um, (laughs) Webb kept it underneath the hole. But, you know, you have to know what you're doing there. And I just think that's classic golf. I miss that kind of golf. I'm an old-school guy um, that you really have to think your way. You have to work the ball both ways. Distance control is going to matter immensely. Um, and patience around the golf course. So uh, I think it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be a great competition. I know the international team is hungry. It's sad for Australia that Jason Day won't be there, but Ben Ahn has been playing some tremendous golf, so he's a good person to fill in. And then for us, we're obviously going to miss Brooks. Hopefully he'll get healthy and get that knee ready to go. But having Ricky on the team is never anything but a positive. His Personality, his joy, his passion, and obviously he can flat out play. So, I don't think either team is going to miss much with An and uh, and Ricky being in the mix.
1: Yeah, I really thought that Tiger was going to pick Ricky Fowler with one of his four picks, and I was actually surprised when he didn't pick him. And so, I'm glad to see Ricky on the team. I'm sad for Brooks because nobody wants to. We talked about injury this this whole podcast, and it, it's difficult to play through injury, but but you can't play. While you're hurt, I mean, we've seen that across the board in all sports. But the great thing about Royal Melbourne is you're right; it is all right there in front of you. And and to me, it's a little like Oakmont, where you've got it's almost better to miss the green, in some spots, rather than be on the green because you can't two putt, you can't you can't three putt, or even four putt. So I just hope the viewers have a chance to to really look at the strategic aspects of Royal Melbourne and uh, and also. To me, the pairings—the way Tiger, Captain Woods, and Captain L's are going to put the teams together—strategically uh, and also strength versus strength and and strength versus weakness too. Because I think there's a right. there there there's a real poker poker match there that that really kind of kind of goes uh, you know unnoticed.
2: Peter, I'm so glad you brought that up because there is a huge difference that people don't realize, and that's in the Presidents Cup. You can match a team against a team. Now, whoever's turn it is to pick first, they just have to put their team out. But, you know, if the first team out is, let's just say, Woods and Justin Thomas, well, then the international team can put whoever they want in that slot against them. And, you know, that's not the case in the Ryder Cup. It's a blind draw. Um, but you have a case like in the President's Cup, let's just say for some reason, Webb wants to play against Leishman. They're good friends. Let's just say they want to have a battle against each other. You know, Leach can go to Captain Ellis and say, hey, if Webb comes up first, put me against him. Or Webb can go to Tiger and say, put me against him. In fact, one of the most famous stories of the President's Cup, my um, very uh, young self at the time and very unwise self wore the Tiger Who hat that, <laughs> that has made its way around. It's one of Tiger's <laughs> favorite stories for me to tell. Um, it was my third event, caddying, and uh, we had played against Tiger and Nota Begay all four matches, and Tiger wasn't playing well um nota at the time people forget he had won four times in a i think a 14 month stretch on the pga tour he was playing incredible golf tiger just was didn't have it and and nota was carrying him. so we showed up for singles and the ball the guys at the range who you know give the players the balls, they had these hats made up that said tiger who i thought it was funny so i wore the hat and you know we get on the fourth hole and we're one up through three and tiger's got about a 12 footer for bogey on the par three there in virginia and um, of course, VJ gives it to him. VJ's got about twelve feet for birdie, and Tiger doesn't say anything. So VJ puts, and he puts it down to about a—I a, say a millimeter. People laugh. But we actually thought it was going to fall in at some point. We didn't hear anything. We turned to the side, and there was Tiger on the side of the green with his arms crossed and a scowl on his face, like, "All right, big boy, we're going to see what you have now." And so he did not give him a putt from a millimeter, hanging on the edge. He didn't give it to him, and. Tiger proceeded to play the next 13 holes, seven under, beat us two and one. And that's one of his favorite stories for me to tell because we didn't talk about it for 11 years. And I was working for Weber, and I saw him on a putting green one day. I said, Weber, watch this. I'm going to break him here. He's walking by. I said, what's up, Tiger Who? He said, what's up, two and one? And he kept walking about 30 yards before he turned around. It had been 11 years since uh, I had worn the hat, and he did not miss a half a step before he said, uh, what's up, two and one? Uh, before he gave me that big old grin of his that he loves to do that we get to see a lot more of nowadays. So I tell I t- um, people
1: don't realize what a what a what an incredible competitor Tiger is. If he were if he were a, a card player, he'd probably be the the world poker champion because the guy doesn't miss a trick, as you pointed out.
2: Yes, a- absolutely right. And uh, you know it's kind of been fun to see too. And and Peter, I know you've seen this, but. You know, I, I got to compete a lot against Tiger, obviously as a caddy, but when I worked for V J and V J had a bunch of good years there while Tiger, he overtook Tiger for number one. But, you know, the, the Tiger before kids, the Tiger before injury is not the one we see today. And I think it's so fortunate that we get to see the Tiger that we see today. The, the one in the old days, uh, he wasn't that kind. He would play games. He wouldn't talk much. He He just – he didn't really. He wasn't very. He wasn't very joyful to be around then. And you look at post injury, and I think kids do this to us too. But like this man, I can't wait to be around him. He's joyful. He's passionate. He he asks about your family. He gives you a hard time. You know, he's he's really taken a lot of these young guys uh, under his wing and just helped them out. And I just think it's been tremendous for the sport. Tremendous for. Um, you know when we look back and we look at his career we 're going to remember these last what seven or eight years of Tiger and those big smiles he had the moment with Evan Nile on the seventeenth hole at t p c and just a lot of those joy filled moments and i 'm so glad we get to see this part of it and you know some sports you never get to see. As the as the athlete progresses, that new personality come out, and it's been fun to see it from Tiger, and he's such a pleasure to be around now, and uh, can't wait to to be under his wing next week in Melbourne and uh, watch him as, as first go as a captain.
1: Well, I think that's one of the beautiful things about the game of golf. We can play it for such a long time. When I first started out, and Jack and Arnold and Lee and Gary Player, they were the kings, and Watton. I remember they all kind of said, "Look, we want to play great." We don't want to be ambassadors or ceremonial golfers. We want to kick ass, and then when we're done, we're done. And I know Tiger felt the same way. But you look back over what Trevino and Palmer and Nicholas and Player and Watson have done, and I think Tiger we're starting to see a little bit more of an ambassador attitude out of Tiger. He can still he can still win, and he's he's a world class player. But you're right; he's he's kinder, he's softer he's more fun and he's an incredible asset to the game of golf uh, across the world and and i'm glad that he's uh captaining the united states president's cup team and as you pointed out you're you're proud to be playing alongside next to him
2: absolutely that's so well said i love that word ambassador and that's what he's turned into um as the ambassador for the game and i think he realized that role and again the, you know, golf, well, not just golf, sport, life, everything has a way of humbling us as we get older. And that's what happened. Um, he ran through some harsh, harsh years there. Um, but you put kids and you put some humility in there, and you're going to see a new person come out of the other side. And that's what we've done. And he's a great ambassador for the game. And, and we're fortunate to be, you know, in a time and place where we can see him in that role.
1: Hey, Paul, I'm going to let you go. I've, I've, I've taken up enough of your time. I'm going to have you back on because I want to talk about the Tesori Family Foundation and what you're doing for so many families and, and kids with special needs because I think it, it says a lot about you, not only as a person, but as a father. So uh, we will reconvene. We will do this probably sometime next year, and we'll talk only about your family foundation. So
2: good luck this week. Uh,
1: good luck at the President's Cup, and uh, and, man, it's always great to talk to you.
2: Peter, thank you so much. Um, I always love talking to you as well. And anytime, maybe we'll win one of those big events early on and we'll have a chat after that and talk about that good stuff. But thank you You for having me on. And I can't, can't wait to see you again, buddy.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?